You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, It is so good to uh, be here for you guys today. Um, As you can see so far from what we've done uh, at the service, it's awesome to be part of the teams. Uh, These kids are are fun. uh, They're smart. They're creative. And as you can tell, they're talented. Uh, My wife and I, Ramona, we love serving the teens uh, because they bring us joy um, and they keep us young. So uh, let's give it up for the teens so far for what they've done. All right, so today we're going to continue our series on uh, reading Romans backwards. And uh, we're going to start, we're going to be in Romans 5. And we're going to, the theme for the service is what Christ has done for us, right? And so that's just something that we want to kind of keep through as we're reading through uh, the chapters today is just what Christ has done for us. Think about what he's done for you. Think about why we're here and, uh, you know, how we've come to this point. Uh, so go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to start in uh, Romans 5 um, and verse 3. And uh, I was talking to Rhett earlier, and it's funny when you uh, are assigned a chapter of the Bible to read or do a lesson on, right? And so you end up reading it over and over and over and over again to try to figure out what you can get out of it. And it's amazing how when you do that, things just start to pop up. So what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to share with you three of the things that really stood out to me as I was reading through Romans 5. So Romans 5, chapter 3, or chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. So it's funny how every now and again you read through the scriptures and you come across something that makes you just go, wait, what? Like, did he mean to put that in there? Did he mean to say it that way? And for me, this was one of those scriptures where it says rejoice in our sufferings. And I think about that and I'm like, well, why do we rejoice in our sufferings? I don't really understand that. It doesn't make sense. So whenever we come across something like that, the idea is to dig a little bit deeper and to try to understand why it was in there. So... There are a couple other scriptures that I found in researching this topic that kind of talk about the same thing. So we're going to look at those as well. So in James chapter 1, in verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 1 Peter 1 In verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So the point, the first point is rejoice in your sufferings. And if you look at these scriptures, it says rejoice, consider it pure joy, and greatly rejoice. These are not words that I would normally associate with suffering or trials or difficulties. But the reality is God allows us to go through these trials and these difficult times to test our faith. And if we don't quit, if we don't give up, if we prove that our faith is genuine, then he allows us to mature. And once we mature, then he gives us wisdom. And so what he's telling us is, I'm going to give you a difficult time or a test so that ultimately you can gain wisdom and grow closer to me in your relationship with me. And so if you think about it, 
if you realize, hey, I, I'm coming across this difficult thing, I'm facing this test, but I know that at the end of this test, as long as I don't quit, I'm gonna mature and I'm gonna gain wisdom, then it would make sense that we could rejoice or that we could have joy. Because God is telling us, I'm, I'm ready, you're ready to grow and I'm gonna give you something that's gonna let you grow and it's gonna bring you closer to me. And isn't that what we're all here for, right? We all wanna get closer to God. I mean, during this time, obviously with COVID, everything's been kind of crazy and we've all gone through varying degrees of difficulty over the past 15 months, right? It, it's been a trial, it's been crazy. The kids have gone through difficult times having to stay at home and not really be around their friends. We've lost people. Um, we haven't been able to hang out with people. It's been a challenging time, but you know, we need the reminder that we're not alone in this. And that in spite of the challenges and trials, again, if we don't quit, that we're gonna be stronger as a result and closer to God. So it makes sense. Rejoice in your sufferings because God is with you. He's not going to abandon you and he's going to make sure that you're taken care of. The goal is do not quit. Do not give up. You're about to grow. Second point, God's enemies versus Jesus' life. So in Romans 5, in verse 10, it says, For if, we, if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So we were reconciled when we were God's enemies. Think about what it means to be an enemy of God. Think about what it means to just be an enemy in general. So you have God, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, and we're his enemy. We're setting ourselves up against him. That's a losing battle. But at some point, we were all there. We were enemies of God. And yet he chose to reconcile us anyways. So do you remember what it looked like when you were an enemy of God? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Let's take a look at a couple of scriptures to help jog our memories. And maybe some of us are there right now. Oh, oh now i got to stop moving around. Sorry, you can take it off if you wander with it like a Ah, that's right. I was so excited to have the lapel mic for the first time. I never got to use that. They just took it away from me. Um, all right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 6, it says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angle. So we have idolatry, putting things before God, pagan revelry, noisy partying. I'm sure a lot of us have been there. Sexual immorality, any kind of sex outside of marriage. Testing the Lord, doing something that you know is wrong and expecting there to be no consequences. Grumbling, muttering, and discontent. Come on, teens, what do you think about that one? So I, I think this scripture adequately describes what it means to be an enemy of God. And again, we have to ask ourselves, is this who I was or is it who I still am? I mean, are we putting things before God in our lives right now? Are we focusing on jobs, careers, being popular, school, taking tests, getting our work done? Are we putting those things before God? Teens, are we desiring to be part of a noisy partying situation? Are we looking to go out and hang with our friends and do things we know we shouldn't be doing? Um, immorality, 
Are we lusting? Are we struggling with that? Are we trying to put ourselves in situations we shouldn't be in? Testing the Lord, doing something we know is wrong and expecting no consequences. Again, teens, I ask you, <laughs> is that where you're at? And then muttering and discontent, right? And this goes to all of us. Are we unhappy with where God has us right now? Are we not accepting our boundary lines, that they fall in pleasant places? Um, so, again, we don't want to be an enemy of God. Look in Philippians chapter 3. It says in verse 18, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. And again, I think we have to be really careful to make sure that our mind is not on earthly things, that we're focused on the spiritual, that we're living life purposefully. And if you think about it, all these things are a result of selfishness. They're us trying to get what we want and not trying to serve other people or serve God. And so when we're focused on ourselves, when we're focused on getting what we want and what we desire, we're putting ourselves in a position to be an enemy of God. And that's not where we want to be because that's a losing battle. All right, so let's take a look at Jesus' life, which brings us salvation. So if you look in Matthew 14, in verse 12 through 14, it says, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So here's a situation where Jesus had just learned that his cousin had been murdered. And so he tried to get away privately to take some time to grieve. And in doing so, when he got to where he was going, there was a crowd of people waiting on him. They had needs. They had wants. They wanted to be healed. And if you think about that situation for yourselves, imagine you just find out that someone close to you was killed. You're trying to grieve, and people come up to you, and they say, I need this. Take care of me. Heal me. Fix me. How would you respond? I think most of us would be like, not now. Not here. I need to take some time to myself. But Jesus, on the other hand, he had compassion. He understood that these people had needs, and he was the only one that could meet their needs in that moment at the time. So he was willing to put aside his own feelings and his own emotions in order to serve people. Another situation. In Mark chapter 1, verse 30. It said, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not, not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So here's a situation where it's the end of the day. Jesus is just trying to get away and recharge. And he's met with Simon's sick mother. So, of course, he's going to heal her because he can, and that's the right thing to do. But then it says, after it was sunset, the whole town came to his door to be healed. So, sunset, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, he's healing the whole town. Let's say that takes two, three, four, five hours. So, now it's midnight, 1 in the morning. He's tired. He's exhausted. So, if you were in that situation, how do you think you would respond? I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to sleep in. I don't want anybody bothering me. I don't want anybody talking to me. I'm just going to hang out and rest and recharge. Jesus took it the other way. In verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
he understood that in order for him to serve and sacrifice and love people to the fullest, he had to connect with God. He had to recharge. That meant if he had to stay up late at night serving people, he was still going to get up early the next morning to connect with God because he knew that's what he needed. And so, again, you look at how does his life save us? It shows us that we need to live a life of sacrifice, a life where we're willing to serve other people. We're willing to deny ourselves. He prioritized his relationship with God. He understood that was the most important thing. No matter how he felt, no matter what he was going through, tired, discouraged, whatever, he was going to connect with God because he needed that to continue to do what God wanted him to do. And we're in that same position. We need God every moment of every day. So are you willing to put your feelings aside, to put your emotions aside, and to make sure you're connecting with God no matter what? Or do you make excuses? Oh, well, I've got a lot going on today. I can't get up and have a quiet time. I can't read. I can't pray. I've got to prioritize. I've got this interview. I've got this work I've got to do. Or do you understand how much you need God? Are you willing to prioritize him every day to make sure that you get connected and you get refreshed? And then do you have the heart that Jesus had? Are you willing to serve people, even if it means being inconvenienced? Are you willing to love, even if it's beyond your capacity, because you know that God's going to refill you? So I feel like if we can imitate Jesus in this way, if we can look at his life and do our best to copy his life, that's going to bring us the salvation that we desire. So the third point and my final point is the enormity of our sin versus God's grace. So in Romans 5, 12, and this is one of those things where just reading it over and over and over again made this stand out to me. So I guess it's good that I did that. But um, in Romans 5, in verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. So you see the theme here, right? Sin, 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 death, death, death. He spends three verses talking about sin and death, almost to the point where you're like, he, it seems redundant. He keeps repeating himself. But then it's interesting. You look at the following seven verses where he starts to talk about God's grace, right? So in Romans 15, it says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provisions of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of the one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's interesting. He spends seven verses talking about grace, but before he gets to grace in each verse, he talks about sin. So he spends three verses completely talking about sin, and then he spends the next seven verses talking about sin and contrasting it with God's grace. So why do you think he did that? 
If this was a Bible talk, I'd be looking for answers. But I want you to think about it. Why did he do that? Why did he spend so much time talking about sin? And even when he was making the point of God's grace, why did he still talk about sin? I think he wants us to understand how important it is to be in touch with our sin, to see the enormity of it. Because at the end of the day, we can't understand the magnitude of God's grace unless we first understand the magnitude of our sin. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but I don't like to think of my sin. I like to think of it as something that was back in the day and whatnot. Um, So let's take a look at a scripture that helps me get in touch with who I really am before God. So in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. It's interesting because I have a habit of when somebody's, you know, asking me to talk through my conversion and what my life was like before becoming a disciple, one of the things I come back to is I wasn't that bad. I didn't, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I didn't party, I didn't sleep around, I was a relatively nice person, I didn't cheat, I didn't steal, and I talk about the things that I didn't do that weren't so bad, right? Because, again, I have issues with looking at myself the way that God sees me as a sinner and, and the gravity of my sin. But what I have to realize is that I was immoral, I was impure, I was lustful, I was greedy, I was full of anger and rage, and I cursed a lot. And so as much as I can say I wasn't as bad as maybe this guy, in God's eyes, I was just the same. I have to get in touch with my sin and the enormity of it and the magnitude of it if I'm going to really understand his grace. Because I can't be grateful for the sacrifice if I don't understand that there needed to be a sacrifice. And so let's look at a couple verses that just kind of help us to not cheapen God's grace. And so in Romans 3 and verse 10, it says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All have sinned, all fall short. No one is righteous. So, You have to take a look at yourself and get real with your sin. Get in touch with where you've been and with where you currently are because we're all sinners. Not we were, we're all sinners. So for some of us, we're not actively living the life we used to, and that's great, but we still need to repent every day. For others, we're still in in that life. We're still sending up a storm. We're, We're putting ourselves as an enemy of God, and we need to change. We need to repent. We need to get with somebody look at the scriptures, study the Bible, recognize our sin, recognize his sacrifice, and change the way we live. So, all right, I got three practicals for you guys because I love to give practicals. So the first one is don't give up. All right, I'm going to say it again, don't give up. The only way we lose is if we quit. No matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what we feel, Don't give up. The only way we lose is if we quit. If you're having a hard time connecting to God or if you really want to learn more about God in the Bible, talk to someone. There's lots of people here who can help you out by going to the scriptures with you and praying with you. 
So regardless of what you're feeling, don't give up. Don't quit. God is listening. He wants to hear what you have to say. He wants to take care of you, and he will take care of you. Get together with someone. Read the scriptures. Pray together. Reconnect with God. Or if you haven't connected with God, then connect with God. Practical number two. Easier said than done. Live like Jesus, right? Uh, the whole WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? But make a decision today that you're going to serve someone this week. Drop off a meal, call to encourage someone, send someone an encouraging scripture, tell them you're praying for them. Just do something. This, the one thing about COVID for a lot of us is it got us out of the habit of serving. It got us kind of looking at ourselves, trying to make sure that we're protecting ourselves and taking care of ourselves and staying in our bubble. But that's not what God wants you to do. Jesus wouldn't do that, right? Make a point today to serve someone in some way, shape, or form. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can do. You know what you're willing to do. Make a decision today to do it. Way too often somebody gets up here and they speak and they say, do this, do that. And we go, that's great. And then we go home and we don't do it. This is something I want everybody to commit to doing today. Make a decision that you're going to serve someone, a friend, a neighbor, someone you know is sick. Like I said, a simple phone call saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Serve someone today. That's what Jesus would do. And then finally, get in touch with your sin is point number three. Confess sin to someone this week. If you feel like you have nothing to confess, you've got a problem. <laughs> right? I mean, again, we can, we can sit there and go, well, I, I'm not, I didn't really do anything this week. No. Every day we're doing something, we're sinning. Again, we've gotten out of the habit of that. You know, we don't have somebody challenging us to confess or making us confess. So we've gotten out of the habit of doing it. But it, it's what we need to do. We need to get in touch with our sin. We need to connect with, again, God's grace. If we can't see our sin, then we can't see his grace. And if we can't see his grace, then we don't understand why we're here in the first place. So, again, I challenge you this week, make a point to call someone you're close to and confess something. Regardless of how small it is, just confess something. Get in the habit. The more you start to confess, the more you'll start to realize there, there is to confess, right? So, again, those are the three practicals. Don't give up. Live like Jesus and get in touch with your sin. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, right now we're going to have some teens. They're going to come up and they're going to do communion for us. So give them your full attention. Thank you. Hello. Uh, my name is uh, Ike Martinez, and I'm going to have the pleasure of sharing uh, scripture for communion. I will be reading Romans 5, uh, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We may have a friend or family member that we really, really love, and we may, might make a thrown situation where you might be willing to lay down your life for them, and that's kind of a rarity, but it may happen. But what about that bully at school or the coworker who's just it keeps on going at you or that person on the street who's prejudiced against you for your own religion? All those people, how can it, do you love them enough to be able to lay down your life for them? That's what the significance of God, of Jesus dying on the cross is. He died for us when we were still sinners. We were still 
doing everything that Owen just read in Galatians 3, all sexually immoral, um, uh, cursing, drinking, whatever, whatever your sin is, we were doing all this, and yet he died for us because he loves us that much. God, in my life, he has really, he has allowed me to become a disciple at a very young age. Uh, he's allowed me to avoid a lot of the things that a lot of people had to go through in order to come to him. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that. I was baptized in September of, I think, 2019. Uh, and, it was, and it's been an interesting journey. It's still hard because life doesn't get easier. But he's done a lot. He's given me a family to really help me through this journey. Um, all my closest friends are here, right here in this, in this family. So um, he's just done tremendous amounts of, of work in my life. Um, and now Nicole is going to share about what her thoughts on what Jesus did for her. Hello. So I'm going to be sharing about what Jesus has done for me and how he's changed my life. Um, within this past year, it's my first year being a disciple. And um, one of the biggest things that I've really seen Jesus do for me is um, comfort me. He's really allowed my relationship with him in prayer to develop. Because I know, like, for the longest time ever, I felt like God was, like, just super distant. And when I prayed to him, it felt like I was just kind of, like, speaking into the sky and, like, he might hear me. But um, I think, like, through disciples that I would spend time with, I was, I, like, um... I realized that it was different. They prayed to him differently. They prayed to him as if he were right there and listening. Um, and that's how I started feeling. Um, I started feeling like he was right beside me, really listening. Um, in Romans 8:28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So not only is he besides me listening, but he also tells me that he has my best interest. Um, knowing this really was comforting and it saved me, especially in this past year where every, I think everyone felt really lonely and, um, we were just kind of like by ourselves in our house and we didn't have like the same opportunity to, um, see different people throughout the day and talk to them and vent and stuff like that. Um, so furthermore, God provides more comfort than any person on earth ever could. Um, he's just so enormous. He's the orchestrator of life, and he's on my team. So um, Psalms 30, uh, 34:18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So in all his majesty, he still meets us where we are. He listens to us, he comforts us, and he saves us. Um, so this has changed my life because it means I have nothing to be afraid of. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't stress or that I'm not scared, but I just know that Jesus has got it covered. Um, he already knows what's to come um, in my life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Um, so through prayer and scripture, I've been able to discover God's comforting presence, and it um, has really changed my life. Uh, so I'm just going to pray us out. All right. All right, uh, let's bow our heads. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thanks so much for this day. Thank you for this time to be able to get together as a church and be able to really talk about you. Thank you for Owen's lesson and just uh, and just his heart and his uh, words about you. And, and ultimately, just help us to really um, prioritize you in our lives and really to just always focus on doing what you want and always be willing to and always be trying to figure out what we're doing wrong in our lives, always trying to get open. Uh, please help us to follow uh, the, the guidelines Owen has helped us. Um, has Just follow um, through with, your, with our walk with you and to continue to persevere even in hard times. Uh, and as we, as slowly as we are getting into, away from this whole COVID situation, I pray for those who are still sick I still pray for the those who are struggling and and need to really get to you. God, I pray for anyone who needed to hear Owen's word and just to really learn from it. And thank you so much for everything you've given. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.